I remember uh, running my bike and you used to outrun my bike, so it impressed me how athletic you were. But uh, in the movie camera, the films that we have, I always remember seeing the skating or with the Calio kids uh, in the playground and and whatever. Well, a lot of times too, we used to visit with that Nick and Uncle Jim up in Niagara Falls and brought you swimming a lot there because you all love swimming. And then when you got into competitions at the canyon and the swimming pool and then there was the bowling alley and yeah. and then the skating. Remember they got me father and son hockey games, uh, used to play the odd time. Mm -hmm. And then that uh, time in Mar when Mark... The boys were playing there. Well, uh, Mark and uh, Raymond and David, they were playing hockey, but Mark was playing a bit of hockey up. He never liked, Mark never liked playing hockey, but I talked him into it and he kept playing it. And then his team won one time in Cochrane. And uh, so we wanted to get a, ce a celebrity there at that time. And we talked to uh, uh, Rocket Richard to uh, come to Cochrane. So we got a picture of the team with, with Mark in it and a picture with the Rocket and Mark alone and gave that to Nanny. And of course I was like buying her the world because she loved Montreal Canadians. Mm -hmm. And then of course with Rocket Richard, well that was, that was something else. Eh? and uh, different things and then when I was at the canyon and then you kids were pretty well involved in swimming and and skating and you were in, I think you didn't get there at the time too eh? mm -hmm. yeah I did all every sport I could do yeah <laughs> and then uh, but then I got into the conservation club and I and I was heading that up and then we built a skeet thing for uh, shooting trap or uh, clay pigeons and and then I surveyed a lot of the lakes and got them planted with different kinds of fish. Got very involved with the... How did you plant fish? Well we got a hold of the ministry and uh, after a while before they used to come and survey the lake but uh, the different lakes and then finally they got to the point where I was I had so many lakes involved that I'd call them up and I'd say I want speckled trout in this one they wouldn't even survey anymore they'd just come and bring them in uh, by the truck and in these ta big tanks that aerated and everything and then we'd put them in packs and then we'd walk into the lakes and then and dump them in the different lakes so it was either rainbow or speckle or lake trout and uh, so I'd, I had a lot of trails cut here and there and and planted a lot of the lakes. So what about the conservation club that you belong to? The conservation club at the camp? Yeah, we got... Weren't you president of the conservation club? Yeah, at the canyon I was. And then that's why we... Uh, president of the conservation Yeah. Club? I was president of that and then also the one at uh, Hunter. And I got the community hall going there for the, for the town and got money from the government to uh, rebuild it. and. Uh, and put, uh, make a hall for dancing or any function that took place, you know. Mm -hmm. And I used to ride away to the different companies and get all kinds of lures and ammunition and, and give a bunch of freebies to people as, as they come into the dance, eh? mm -hmm. And I managed to do that up north too and it, it all worked out good. Did you also, I remember you 
teaching people how to use uh, a gun. I remember you trying to teach me. Oh, yes. Part of the conservation class. Well, I was uh, with the uh, conservation, uh, and I was a gun hunter safety instructor. And most of the time, it wasn't so much the men that were taking it, except young teenagers. But I would, uh, a lot of the women, uh, the, the husbands would send their wives t so they could learn, and then they'd go hunting with them. Mm -hmm. And I used to go to uh, Smoky Falls and the different plants where Kimberly Clark was, and and the uh, and I teach the wives out there how to the gun, uh, the training on hunter safety and how to. Uh, I didn't have to show them how to shoot, or, but I would go a little bit further and explain like shotguns and rifles and mm -hmm. whatever. Talk about how much you still like hunting. What's your favorite hunting with uh, moose hunting or whatever? And, and also you like to use bow and arrow or rifle? Well, when I was young and I was at the farm, great grandpa, uh, he saw that uh, I liked archery. And uh, so he got a, some ironwood that was there and he carved a bow for me. And uh, so I got to the point where I made my own arrows, and I'd shoot rabbits with the with the archery equipment, which surprised him because he never thought I'd be able to hit the side of a barn door with a bow and arrow, you know. But uh, but this bow was quite good, and uh, as it as I got older and, and stronger, I had to put elastics on above and below my hand so um, give it a little more strength because I was pulling it back so much easier as you develop your strength, you know. So I sort of was into archery when I was quite young, but it's nothing like the archery stuff you see nowadays. Mm -hmm. And of course when David and Raymond got into it so heavy, they, here I'm 60 years old when they decide they talked me into taking up archery. So. And I kind of like it. It's a different kind of way of hunting, and you got to be uh, so much more cautious and and know your game real good, or you just won't get close to them. Mm -hmm. What kind of hunting do you like to do overall? Like, what kind of game do you like to go for? I like uh, I like deer hunting, but uh, mostly moose hunting. I like moose hunting, but. Really, I don't care so much to get an animal. It's more or less to get out. I like to see the, the nature itself. It's like when I went to Colorado with David, and sure, I was hunting with there, but I was more interested in the geology. I love geology, because I've been reading about geologies in the, you know, through the Northern Miner for years and years, for over 40 some years. Eh? Well, as long as I was working for Hydro, and I've been buying the Northern Miner, mm -hmm. and so uh, it to me, it, like hunting is a way of getting out into the bush, and and I like I like I know most of the species of trees and things like that, but it's uh, to see different things, not only the deer and moose. I've passed up shooting deer and moose because I just didn't. Uh, think uh, like if I saw a beautiful looking buck to me it was too beautiful I wouldn't shoot it. I would never tell the guys in the camp I'd done that. You know, but uh, I remember often I was with Ernie one time 
when we were younger and we went from Stone's place and went out where the place he is right now. And um, but you could hunt in those days there. Mm -hmm. There was no park, and uh, we he chased a big buck out to me. And he says, did you not see that buck? And I told him, no, but he was standing right beside me and I didn't, couldn't shoot him, he looked too beautiful. I couldn't shoot him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I never told him. In fact, I think it was last fall I finally told him. <laughs> what did he say? He says, you know, he says, I've done that too. So he's a lot like I am. Funny we never lived together and there's so many things that we're so much alike, you know. Do you see any other similarities with your brother? Yeah, we get premonitions. He gets premonitions, I get premonitions. I get premonitions. Yeah, different things, like uh, where you dream of things and about people or things or something that's going to happen. And uh, so we're both like that. And we haven't been with our mother and our father. We never lived with them. But uh, we seem to think about them a lot, or and things pop up. Just recently, uh, my brother says, I was dreaming of my mother, and I, why? He says, I never lived with her. Mrs. Stone was where I live. But he says, it seems like she's bothering me because she must be in purgatory, and she's asking us to pray for her. And I felt the same thing as what he said. What he said was just as if it was words coming from me because I felt the same. And I don't know why. I don't even know if I believe in purgatory. But the thing is, it was that feeling, you know? When was this? This was about uh, three months ago. Did you both decide you were going to pray for your mother? Okay. Well, we when I said when I get feelings like that, I I do pray. And I said, do you? I asked my brother, and he says, yes, he does. Has he forgiven her? Or does he has he not let go of his anger? Yeah, it bothers him more than it does me. And yet he was the one that was adopted. I don't know why. And it's the same with uh, Jeanette. Jeanette and I never get into talking about it. So I don't really know her feelings. So you've never talked to Aunt Jeanette about any of your childhood? It's no, she just, she just knows. She just knows. And when I was finally, when I was moved out to the farm with the grandma, and I worked that summer and I, I managed to buy a bicycle. That was the only one I could ever get. And that was because I earned it working for Ontario Hydro. And then I was able, I was more mobile then, and every now and then I'd go from the farm and all the way out to Stones to visit them. Sometimes stay overnight and, you know, it was, it was nice because the Stones were, Jeanette and Ernie were, they were very, very nice to me, you know. Like I took the stone almost like Ernie would take it, you know, like that was his mother, really. Even though she adopted him, but and you could tell she loved both of them very, very much, you know. And you always felt comfortable at the stones. Yeah, I did, because they treated me really good. And how old were you when you were started going there to visit? I was maybe um, mostly around 15 years of age. That's when I was more mobile. Otherwise, it was a long, it seemed like a long walk, you know, but I would go. Mm 
yard time. I remember going when I was about 14 and walking into calendar and from calendar all the way out to the farm, you know. Does Aunt Jeanette have any of these premonitions like you and Uncle Ernie? I'm not so sure. Not, I don't know if it's as strong with her. I think what stopped her was ever since her son died in that skidoo accident. Can you talk about Michael? He was your godchild? Well, Michael, he, uh, he had been working for Harris's down at uh, the Wasi, and that's Mike Harris's dad. He's the premier of the province right now. Eh? Mm. And so it's the same people, and Jeanette used to work there too. But uh, Mike, he'd earned enough money and he was able to buy a skidoo and he was out trying it with, uh, uh, what's the name of that family? Murdoch's. And uh, I guess they were out trying it and he was coming through a rock cut there just out of, not far from his home. Wasi Road. On the Wasi Road. And, uh, it looks like he lost control and went into the path of a car and, and got killed. Oh. And then, and he was 16 years old. And uh, I don't think, like, Jeanette has never got over it. Like, she's... She's had a couple of nervous breakdowns. Like, she's just been so distraught and, and uh, like, she's been bringing flowers every, every year to the gravesite for Michael. He was a super kid too, really, really a good boy. Everybody liked him, and he was almost like a, a brother to Uncle to Ernie. You know, like they were just like two peas in a pod. They were always together, and uh, you couldn't help but like Michael. He was he was just that kind of a he boy. Was your yeah. Your mother uh, was sick several times mentally. What can you talk about that? Do you think and why? Yeah. Uh, well, my mom, she she'd have a nervous breakdown, but I went in, and then, uh, but I never knew why. And uh, what would trigger it or bring it on? And this happened maybe three or four times. And uh, she'd end up in the hospital and psychiatric obs observation. And and then all of a sudden when she'd start to help some other people, uh, she'd get over it just, just as quick as it come on her. And then uh, the doctor would just give her a clean bill of health and she'd be okay there for months and months. And then all of a sudden it would happen again. It always seemed to happen in the fall more than anything. How would she be when she would start to slip, let's say? Being scared of it. She was scared of this, scared of that, scared of the unknown. And, but what the unknown in her mind was, uh, I don't know, because I could not get it out of her. Do you think she went into depressions because of her abandoning her kids, like you and, and Jeanette and Uncle? and she never forgave herself for, for the mother that she wasn't? This, this I don't know. To me, uh, like, why after
after all these years and you know she'd been living with Dalty and uh, she raised uh, Marcel you know she adopted Marcel and, and she raised, looked after Barry until he left and uh, but why uh, why these things come on later on I got no idea I could surmise but you'd be just guessing like what with the doctor he never told me you know could you get her files or would you be interested to look at her files now no, no, no. I'm not interested no I think Greg I uh, think grandma also had premonitions like you and Uncle Ernie and I have them too yeah she did uh, what were some of her premonitions that she talked to you about and what were some of yours it was mostly coming from some other people they'd say that well, she's a witch because she'll say this is going to, this this is going to happen. Well, like one time, sitting around the table and right out of the blue, she says, "Oh my God, the woman with dark hair just died." And uh, all of a sudden, the door flew open and uh, Bulgics was it wasn't Bulgics next door. It was the uh, the Kostongis next door to come in and said such and such a person died just at the same moment you know was there a car accident too, she about? oh yeah there was different things that uh, that happened and uh, and it and it just a matter of hours it was proven that she was right you know so you and uncle ernie had the same gift or we all have it apparently but some have a stronger subconscious level. yeah well the thing is some would let it work with them a little more. So what were some of the, the strong precognitive feelings that you had when that really stuck in your mind that were like warnings? Well, one that really frightened me was uh, when we were living up at Hunter. And uh, I was in the kitchen and I was with, uh, with Mom and uh, I said, oh gee, I, I fell back and I, my my back to the wall and I says oh what an awful feeling I had and mom asked me well, what, it, what it was and I says I dreamt that I was holding David in my arms and he was bleeding all over the place in the next five minutes that's exactly what I was doing because all of a sudden door flew open and said David had an accident he fell and I think it was uh, did he cut his tongue or something like that yeah. And uh, I think that was a different time. This uh, this one's he was cut on a bottle or something like that, and uh, he was bleeding and and it felt like the blood was coming out of me. I could feel it like I could you know like, and then I was holding him and he was bleeding and I said Sue I'm losing I'm losing my strength the blood feels like it's coming from me, and. Uh, so I had to put them down, and then we managed to get tape and clean it off and put tape over and stop it from bleeding. How was he bleeding? He cut himself on a bottle? Yeah, I forget what it was now. I think it was his foot real bad at the time. I think that's what it was. And then another incident, a uh, swing had hit him and had yeah. his tongue. Got cut. Got he, cut. Almost, he almost cut his tongue off. And and uh, we had to bring him into the hospital that time. But I, I, I felt that one too. 
you know. But different, different ones, different kids, different kids, different incidences, you know. And uh, and I felt it right away, you know. And it was no hesitation, and uh, like, and it just happened. I'd tell mom, I says, "Geez, you know, like this is what I see or feel," and all of a sudden, either the phone ring and somebody tell us that this or that has happened, and and I knew it, and it scared me, and I, like I sort of shunned them away and didn't want to. I didn't mean? want that feeling, you know. Yeah. Uh, what I'm reading about it is that it's just a very strong subconscious level, sub subconscious level. And yeah. Apparently, this is what it is. You yeah, but you don't know. You, you often think, well, maybe it's just a coincidence, you know, yeah. or, or something like that, you know. But you never know. And what about Uncle Ernie? Did you have feelings about him at all? Uh, he was your brother, or he towards you? And Oh yeah, like things. yeah, different things. Uh, uh, we just recently, uh, um, he was there with Jeff and Greg, and he says, "Well, he says I think Uncle Rich is going to come in today." Five minutes later, I drive into the camp. So different things like this has happened, you know, like uh, you know, and uh, and even the sons like Jeff or Greg is like, "How the hell did you know that?" You know, like. And, uh, like, there's no way we never phoned or nothing, you know, like, and it's just, it's all of a sudden a feeling you get, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's often different things, like we've talked about her mother or father, and, and, uh, I don't know, it just seemed to, it just happened the way you, you think it's going to happen, and it did happen, you know? Can you tell me a little bit about, um, uh, some of the hunting that you enjoy hunting with your brother, and it's funny that you're close with your brother even though you never grew up with him. Yeah, well, we both love hunting, and I think when we were both young, when I'd go and see him at Stones, we'd take a 22 and we'd go out hunting together, you know, and we'd get birds or uh, rabbits or whatever, you know, and even later, later on we were hunting deer, and we just seem to like the same things. Like, like I'll have actions on doing something, and I said, "Geez, I says, you do the same thing as I do, or I'll do the same thing as he does, you know." And I says, "That's astounding, you know, like that we we seem to do or say or the, the same things, and we never lived together really. Mm-hmm. Like he he moved when he was a baby there, you know." And, we were separated, but it didn't seem to matter. Time or place, we do the same things. Our ideas are the same on a lot of, you know, like when it comes to work on something or or think of something, you know, like it's we seem to be the same wavelength, you know. Mm. One little hunting story that was pretty funny with you and Uncle Ernie. Well. Last fall, when uh, we were going out and nobody was getting a deer, and then he says, well, I know who's going to get the first deer today. And, of course, everybody wants to get the first deer because it was a pot or something. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, so, but the thing is, he says, Uncle Rich is going to get the first deer. And he says, but he's not going to win the pot. 
You know, you gotta have one with the the largest rack, you know. Oh. And it just turned out I get out there and I do get the first deer. He gets the second one and it has a bigger rack than mine. <laughs> so he wins the pot. But different little things like that, you know. And or some some unusual thing comes up and like if I thought about it more, I'd be able to give you a lot more incidences of things that's happened that it seemed to be more than coincidence, you know? Yeah. But, uh, um, how did you feel about your sister, Antoinette? How do you feel what her personality is like in her life and Uncle Ernie in his life? Well, the thing is, they both got a good sense of humor in a way. Like, Ernie has one. He loved to tell jokes, love jokes, and and I really love my sister because even though we've been apart and everything like that and like she had her family, I had my family, we were always away but we always kept in contact. When we were married I end up driving their car up to Chimsford with the minute, you know, on their wedding day and things like that, you know. But uh, I was sometimes a little bit tough to get along with but uh, but uh, he was my brother-in-law and he was still an all right guy, you know, and he, and he knows about gardening pretty good, you know, so. Okay, and now can you tell me um, as far as uh, the other, uh, the other, uh, maybe little stories about uh, raising kids and how you feel kids, uh, maybe your kids should raise our kids. Any kind of advice you can give us as a parent, grandparent? Advice on just being a parent. Well, I, I find that the biggest thing about being a parent is you got to make sure you stick up for your kids. It doesn't matter if they're right or wrong, you got to stick up for them. And if they're wrong, you tell them, but then you still stick up on them. That's the big thing. And show that you'll battle, do battle for them. And I think that that brings you a lot closer to them than you realize. Mm -hmm. That you're really sticking up for them and uh, you'll come to bat for them, doesn't matter what. But if you come to bat for them, but if they've been wrong, you tell them, but you still went to bat for them. And I think that's uh, the big thing, mm -hmm. is that you're not only a guardian, a mother, and a f our father, and, but that you, you're really sticking up for them, and that brings them, I think, your kids closer to you, and then they'll listen to you more than anything. How do you feel about being a grandfather? Oh, that's great, because then I don't have to look after the kids all the time. <laughs> but occasionally, it's really nice to look after them. Because they seem to have their own little personalities, everyone, every kid is different, every kid's got their own little way about them, and you love them all in a, in a different way, and you got and then you get to appreciate them, and you learn how to cope with their differences, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it, it's just, uh, it's a good feeling. Do you want to talk about the accomplishments of your six kids? Maybe one accomplishment for each of them, what they went through, 
one thing that they were proud that they went through, let's say I had a big operation or, you know, or anything, any, by starting with me, uh, one accomplishment kind of thing or one perseverant thing that they went through that they did all right with. Well, like uh, you, Joanne, with you, um, what you went through, the scoliosis, you seem to have a lot of inner strength more. It seems like somebody that uh, goes through this, the Lord seems to give that person more inner strength than the average person. Mm -hmm. Like if something happens to somebody, it's because it's happened to them because however it is, it seems like the inner strength has been given to you so that you can cope with this. And uh, like, a, and it's a form of um, this inner strength builds up, like you overcome, and which you have, and uh, then you have by the by your own family, and you're very close to your own children, and like all my kids that have children or a wife, they're you know they're very very close to their kids, and I must have something to do with what's happened to me, so that might have been the reason it's happened. It's made it stronger for you kids to look after your own. Mm -hmm. Like Raymond is so strong for his Nicholas and Christopher and boy, you know, like, and David, don't you talk about by Amy or Matthew and, you know, like, and you're the same and Mark's going to be the same for, uh, for Chase and Hunter. You can tell, like, when you look at them, boy, that that's my kids, that's my miracle. Yeah. One accomplishment for Mark that you'd like to talk about or describe? Well, he's a very skilled person. Like uh, Mark, uh, like he's very meticulous and he was like that when he was young and he used to build little things like hydro towers and taking clocks apart and stuff like that. And but uh, mostly is the um, like he builds things like uh, mm -hmm. like he built those lights and he built buckles and, uh, like underwater buckles, fast couplers and, and things for tanks. But what really sticks in my mind is uh, he couldn't sit idle at at lunchtime. He would devour his meal quickly, or maybe not at all, and he'd go and make a knickknack or something out of uh, nuts and bolts or wires or springs and weld them together. And like he made that tower, like as if Raymond was a lineman climbing a tower. And me, when I was cutting trees, he showed a guy with a chainsaw at the bottom, and and it's an all-metal tree and that ski thing there for he made for. Nanny and Pappy, and uh, it's things like that, a thing like that that I said, can you see the vision he's got to be able to put this in an art form? Yeah. You know, he's artistic, he's got to be, you know, he thinks he's just mechanical, but he isn't, he's artistic also. Yeah. So. Raymond, accomplishment, or... Raymond, he's very methodical in his work, and he reminds me so much of Pappy, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, like Raymond is a, 
a worker, uh, a meticulous worker, and, and it's got to be just right, and it's not done till it's done. He won't give up until it's done. Like he's, he's like a bulldog. He gets his teeth into a job, and and when he does it, it's thorough. You can see this around the farm when he builds even ordinary building a fence or cleaning out. You know, like every morsel's got to be cleaned up. You know, and and he's very methodical. Oh, but anyone accomplish so that's the accomplishment for Raymond is his worth work ethic. Uh, David. David, he's got ideas, big ideas, yeah. and you know, like uh, he knew he could not stand being working under somebody else as like uh, somebody else bossing him. His mentality. I'm the boss. I'll run things. Um, I'll do it. So this is why when he said he was going to quit Hydro, and I, I says I knew it. I knew. I told Mum a long time ago. I says David is not going to work for Hydro very long. I says he's going to get out. He's going to do something else, and he's going to do it on his own. And who'd have thought somebody's going to give up a job that's making real good money? And but I knew this a long time ago, and. Uh, I says he'll never last with hydro. He just, it's not in his worth ethic to work like that. And uh, so when he got the lodge and uh, he likes his fun, he likes curling, he likes all kinds of sports. He's uh, very accomplished in archery and same as Raymond is. And, uh, but when he was working at going to school and he was teaching archery in, in, uh, college when he was only going to high school earning big bucks and he was learning about the skis and outfitting like he was a businessman mm-hmm. and he knew it right I knew it all along and he he was able to afford to have his own car and going to school at the same time you know like that takes some doing and he did it and uh, and it shows now in uh, what he's accomplished at the lodge he owns right now He's always got big ideas, and he still managed uh, to pay off a huge debt, and uh, and he's going on to bigger things. So he's enlarged the lodge, and and he's he's a kind of a workaholic too. Like uh, he can dig in, and he's a fast worker, and he's a good worker, and and he understands tools and measurements and all kinds of things. Okay, and Robert's accomplishment. Or something when he was young or older, or something that sticks in your mind that you're proud of. Yeah, like Robert, uh, he he, uh, his friends are very very important to him, and uh, although he didn't seem to be in sports so much, uh, he wouldn't hang in there with the sports. But when he when he was doing it, he was doing well. The only thing is, um, but if he got a friend. Now that's a friend for a long time. That's the way he is. And uh, but he was very good in school, mathematics. He excelled in math. And uh, I thought he's, he should go one step beyond because of this. And I thought electronics would be his field. Uh, but for some reason, he seems to be. He likes to work with his hands too. He liked. To, he liked the outside work. He, he's getting interested in, 
He's uh, very interested in geology, which I tended to be like that too. So he's taken after me for loving and ge geology and the rock study of rocks and whatever. And he's into prospecting now, so in that light he seems to be taken after me for that because I'm very interested in in the rocks or in geology around the world. Patrick, is this accomplishment or something that sticks in your mind? Patrick, he was very artistic uh, and he loved pets like little animals or cats and for some reason he, he just loved animals. But uh, artistically he's like I don't know why he doesn't uh, make his own comic book because uh, he's come very close to it. He started one. That's the only thing he starts a lot of things but he, he doesn't quite finish them but maybe one of these days he will. But he's finding that uh, he seemed to be a, a shy little guy when he was younger but he's for the job that he's doing right now, uh, he's actually surprised me quite a bit because he's able to stand up and talk in front of people and no trouble. And he's very good in literature, spelling. Uh, you ask him to spell a word, any word, and he'll tell you at the top. And he's got an extremely good memory when it comes to people and places or things like that. I'll ask him and. Uh, right off the top of his head, it's this. I think he'd be good at uh, doing crosswords. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, and you, there's a couple of organizations or uh, sports you like or organizations you like now. There's Knights of Columbus, you like curling, you like golf. Maybe one little, two things about each of the Knights of Columbus. Why did you join? And uh, what do you like about it? Well, to me, the Knights of Columbus is affiliated with the church. It's the, to me, I look at the Knights of Columbus as the right hand of the church, and it's a, a good, quick means for a priest that uh, if you just had to call on this person and an individual here, an individual there to come and do something for the church, it'll take a long while. But with the Knights, you call one guy immediately you got a hundred to 150 guys that will come to work. They'll come to back for the church and it's to me when Father McGivney uh, decided um, on the East Coast when uh, men were going out on the ocean to uh, fish, a lot of them died and they left their, their wives destitute. So uh, when Father McGivney says uh, uh, we got to do something about this so he started the Knights of Columbus, which started an insurance thing that would uh, look after the wives where they lost their husbands. What year was that? 1891. And, uh, and what uh, organization does the Knights of Columbus support as far as charity? Charity? It's every charity that the Knights of Columbus will support. And uh, the big one that they really push and look after is the Arthritis Society. But that's just because nobody was really looking after them until Fred Drew and our council. He was in Thunder Bay that started this. What about um, your grand night? What did that mean to you as that accomplishment? 
Well, it's uh, every two years the, the grandmate is supposed to change, and uh, this gets moved around in the council. Now we've had so many grand knights that a lot of the members are past grand knights. But uh, I was in there from its inception. It's about 16, 17 years ago now that we, 17 years that we started the Knights in St. Kevin's. What about curling? What do you like about curling? I think it's a real good precision sport. Like planning and uh, your game and as it develops and uh, and it's good comradeship and it's a very, uh, if the guys follow the rules, it's a, a very uh, good sport in that it's uh, hospitable, like in you don't, you don't really criticize if if the guy is proper and he's come up well through the ranks. Um, even if the guy made the worst shot and heck, oh, you might have had a bad slip there. You, you know, you wouldn't say something derogatory to him. It's a real gentleman sport, like a gentleman or a gentlewoman or a gentleman, or you can say what you want. It's a, it's a sport that uh, you feel good after, even if you lose. What and now you're uh, getting into golf. What do you like about golfing? I always like the, the golf because it's, uh, well, it's the outdoors again, you know, and, uh, and it's kind of a very precision type thing. And, for me, it's very frustrating because I'm not good at it. You know? Like, what, what do you do when you only do it once a year, or even you're missing a year? You have a gift certificate now. You can buy a set of golf clubs. Yes, that's How right. How did you feel about getting that at your 65th birthday? I thought it was, it was pretty fun, and that was pretty nice, too. But that's why I'm glad to take some uh, lessons there, and get lessons there, and get lessons there.
Thank <laughs> you. 